Talk Radio 96.7, and we are about to enter the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie Ocean, Coach Joe here in the Ozone. And with us on the phone is none other than Polk State College Athletic Director Stanley Cromarty. Stanley, welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Thanks, you guys, for having me. It's my pleasure. Hey, I understand you got a big event coming up tomorrow night with former Gators quarterback Shane Matthews. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're excited for our, our inaugural uh, uh, athletic fundraising gala, uh, which is uh, held tomorrow uh, on the Winter Haven campus in the Student Union Building uh, with uh, Mr. Shane Matthews as our guest speaker. And so we're very excited about it. Well, he's been a guest here on the Ozone. And uh, as I understand it, you have already had a lot of success. You Talk about your goals and what you've attained so far. Yeah, uh, this is a fundraising uh, opportunity for the athletic department so we can help our student athletes when it comes to housing. And this is something that I did at my previous schools. And uh, this year in the inaugural, our, our goal set was to sell 25 tables at $1,200 per table. Well, we, we came up just a little short. We sold 24. And so uh, we're excited about that. And so we should have a pipe house tomorrow. Uh, also, we are auctioning off uh, the sheriff, uh, Brady Judd, uh, also to, uh, to help raise some funds too tomorrow evening. Well, we're talking right now with uh, Stanley Cromartie, our good friend, athletic director at Polk State College, and also a member of the Florida College System Activities Association Hall of Fame. And we're talking about an exciting fundraiser tomorrow night with Shane Matthews. Uh, how did you uh, go about getting Shane to be your speaker tomorrow? Well, you know, uh, my, my son uh, is, is ex-NFL uh, football player um, one year out, and uh, it's like a fraternity. But uh, Shane is uh, working uh, um, uh, with Baker Sporting Good out of Jacksonville, Florida, uh, who is now our athletic apparel for the college. And um, and I got in contact with him through Baker's, and uh, I asked him would he be the guest speaker without hesitation or reservation. He, he, he said yes. And uh, we just had to match the dates up with his availability. And, and that's how I got started, by, by, by that, that connection with Baker Sporting Goods out of Jacksonville. So this is a new contract with Baker Sporting Goods? Well, it, it, it's, uh, we were used to be with uh, um, uh, the company out of Lakeland, but uh, he sold it to BSN Sports. And by us being a, a, an Adidas a, a contract to school, Baker's uh, sell Adidas product. We're now with Baker Sporting Goods. Stanley, um, are there tickets still available? Well, I I, I, I don't. Uh, we 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 uh, we sold twenty five. Uh, we had uh, twenty four tables sold, but I, I do have a, a few more spots. If we have some walk ons, I probably have uh, like eight eight seats available that I can place them at. But we really we really don't have any more tables available. Okay, where could someone get those tickets if they wanted them? If, if they want tickets uh, tomorrow, they'll they have to give me a call on my cell. Uh, and that's area code 904-228-0717. Uh, I'm available all day, even tonight, because uh, it had to be a cutoff point uh, at some point. Uh, and right now, I do maybe have a, a maybe possibly eight seats I, I can place eight people at if they're interested in coming. 
Can you give that number one more time? Area code 904-228-0717, and that's my sale. All right. that Man, that's awesome. You've got, done a great job, and uh, we were really proud that um, you were able to come on the show with us tonight, and we'll have to have you on again and uh, talk about the success of that. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 I and I, w- I would do this if, if if you guys who want to come to to the event tomorrow, I will um I can spot you guys four tickets. Wow, wow, man, <laughs> yeah. what a deal! L- let me check with senior management, my wife, and see if um, senior management will allow that. Wow. Okay, let, let me let me know you got my cell. Let me know, and, okay. and, and, and I can. I, I can place you at, at four of those seats, and uh, uh, which would be at no cost to you guys. For for, for uh, it's, this is a partnership, and, and and I know you guys are, uh, are, are Gators, and, and and I know that anytime a Gator comes in town, you, you like to support. Them, so <laughs> I, I, I can do that. You got our number, didn't you, Stanley? Thank you so much, yeah. and uh, we wish you the best with that. And I'll get back with you as soon as I talk to senior management. We'll do it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, right. Stanley. We appreciate it, man. Stanley Cromarty, athletic director at Polk State College. And, uh, man, what an accomplishment. Selling 24 tables, and his goal was 25, and he's only got eight tickets left. Man, that is something. Oh, he, he's a magician when it comes to uh, finding ways to, to raise funds for, for the uh, good of Polk State College. And it's, it's how they manage to keep their facilities in such amazing shape there. It really is spectacular. You know, I went there a long, long time ago, back in the dark ages when it was Polk Community College, and uh, I was the first senior they had at Polk Junior College. It took me six <laughs> years to graduate. I quit and didn't go for about four years, and uh, so I'm sure there's a plaque over there to me somewhere. The original super senior. That yeah, was exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, I got a, a few COVID years, and there wasn't even any COVID around <laughs> back then. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Bill Carr, former – he was the center for Steve Spurrier, and then he was the athletic director at Florida as well as University of Houston. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 96.7 WLKF. This is Joe Williams. I coached the Jacksonville team back in 1970 when we went to the NCAA Finals. And you're listening to Ronnie Ocean coming on live. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right. Unfortunately, we lost Coach Coach Williams just recently, and um, that was quite a loss to the sporting world. Of course, he led... Those uh, Jacksonville Dolphins to the 1972, or was it 72, 70, 72, I think, against UCLA championship where they lost to um, the um, UCLA Bruins. Well, with us on the line is none other than the Gators, number 51, Bill Carr. Bill, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Hello, Ron. How are you tonight? I appreciate the opportunity to visit. Oh, man, I tell you. What a pleasure it was to meet you the other day at Johnny Townsend's fundraiser. And uh, for those that don't know, Bill was the center for a quarterback you may have heard of, a guy named Steve Spurrier, who yesterday turned 77, by the way. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you're not that old, are you? I mean, uh, Steve's a lot older than you, right? He's six months older than I am. Oh, yeah, you're just a kid (laughs) then. Just a kid. 
You know, Bill, I, I think one of the things, your last game was in the Orange Bowl against Georgia Tech, if I remember correctly, in the game that Larry Smith's pants were falling down. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. That was my last game, and Steve's as well. Yeah, that's that was a great team, that 1966 team. And uh, you played with a lot of guys. Steve, of course, played in the NFL, Harmon Wages, Larry Smith, Jim Yarborough, Richard Trapp. That was a really talented football team, and yet you guys were the underdog to Georgia Tech, if I remember correctly. Yes, we were slightly, but uh, we were determined to uh, do our best, and uh, we were blessed because some good things happened on the way, uh, part of which was Larry Smith's uh, long run, and uh, we just appreciate so much the fact that we were able to finish on a high note as Gators. You know, one of the things that I don't think gets mentioned enough is we talk about graduation rates. Coach Graves graduated just about all of his players back in those days, and, you know, you were one of the ones that was a great student as well as a great football player. And uh, talk a little bit about Coach Graves and uh, his emphasis on academics. Well, he he did place an emphasis there because, uh, you know, his background uh, at, at, at Georgia Tech as an assistant coach, you know, he came from, from that environment, and, and he, he really believed in it. And he, he passed that on to, to us as being the standard, if you will, the flag that you had to carry to be a Gator. Uh, it, it, was, it was a challenge to, uh, to compete academically in the classroom, and it, <laughs> that competition has gotten even, even more uh, fierce since then as the standards have continued to rise with regard to the academics uh, excellence at UF. Our guest tonight, Bill Carr. Uh, former Gators player in the 60s, and then uh, later athletic director at the University of Florida, 682-1430, 682-1430, uh, if you want to join us in this conversation. Uh, Coach Joe here, Bill, you know what it's, we had, you said that uh, Steve Spurrier's six months older than you are, which fits because we had him on the show about six months ago, so we got, got the time <laughs> just about right. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's interesting for me personally is that uh, during your time as athletic director, 1979 to 86, those corresponded with the years when I was a student at the University of Florida. And I, right. remember, I remember those years very well, and it was a time of great growth in the athletic department. You know, when you were playing with the Gators, they had a really good football team, especially in 1966. By the time you became athletic director in 1979, the program was not in as good a shape. What do you remember as you found it when you first uh, became athletic director? Well, that first year, 1979, we we uh, we had, uh, of course, a new coach in Charlie Pell. He was hired before I became athletic director. I was not involved in his selection, but uh, I was involved, you know, for his entire time there and and a little beyond that. But the 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 bottom line is that uh, uh, that we, we we really had lost a lot of players and the recruiting. Charlie didn't have a chance to catch up, and so we had a in the 79 season, the record was 0-10-1. And I remember responding when someone say, well, how did your team do this year? I'd say, oh, 10-1. You know, that's, that was the, that's the way I expressed it because that just shows how the pace of your uh, description can sometimes be to your benefit. Yeah, I mean, you had Chris Collinsworth playing quarterback for part of that season, so it was definitely an interesting time in 1979. But uh, things got better after that but from an administrative standpoint 
uh, you were there uh, when the O-Dome was opened. What do you recall uh, in getting that built and moving from Alligator Alley to the O'Connell Center? Well, it was it was a very, very significant part of the advancement of the entire program and, in fact, the entire university because we really did not have – the University of Florida did not have a mass seating facility of any dimension <laughs> or quality – uh, up until that time, I mean, Florida Gym was was uh, you know an arch- archaic uh, structure uh, yeah, even yeah, then. Definitely. But but the bottom line is, I, I was privileged uh, as an assistant athletic director to serve on the planning committee for that facility. So I I, I really knew it inside out and the whys and the wherefores about why certain things were there or not, and. Uh, the redesigns, I think it's a, bu- a building that's gone through several iterations, if you will, from a design and function standpoint. And I think they've done an excellent job uh, in the second and third level re- uh, uh, remodelings that they've done. Uh, you know, it used to be an air-supported roof, and now it is a structurally supported roof that doesn't have the typical weight, if you will, of, of a um, – of a standard roof, but it was an experimental model back in those days in, in 1979 when it opened, but it has served the university very well. I was just there recently for an event and was remarking uh, to myself uh, how, how well this uh, facility had been uh, uh, re- reformed or remodeled and, and uh, how well it is functioning and has, it has really served the university well. Bill Ronnie Ocean again. Um, did you have a long snapper back then, or were you the snapper on Steve's famous field goal against Auburn? I was the snapper. Uh, I, I handled the uh, field goals, the uh, extra points, the uh, the punts uh, in uh, in my junior and senior year. My sophomore year, uh, there was another player on our team, Gary Clyatt, who who snapped those. Uh, uh, to the to the field goal and punters, but in uh, in my junior and senior year, I handled that and had to cover the kicks, and so it was a uh, it was a tremendous uh, privilege to uh, to see that and to know uh, that that was a ball that, uh, for example, I was in Steve's restaurant in uh, in uh, Gainesville just recently, and in there there's a display in there that has the football. Yes. That he kicked for that Auburn field goal to win that homecoming game, and I always felt like that that uh, captured the Heisman Trophy for him. And uh, there's the ball there, and I was looking for my fingerprints because <laughs> I, I, it's for certain that I snapped it to Larry Rents, number ten, yeah. who held it for the uh, for the field goal attempt. What do you remember about that? Steve was not the regular kicker. But it was Wayne Barfield the kicker back then? That's right. Wayne was the kicker, and he was excellent kicker with from a short range. He was a standard kicker, as was Steve. Steve didn't have a uh, a sideways kick, you know, like a Latin American uh, kicker would have. Someone, uh, you know, that came from that culture. That's the you know the side approach. He was a, a, a straight ahead kicker. He even had a st- uh, you know a steel toes steel toed <laughs> square. Uh, that he put on the special shoe that he had designed for that, that he zipped up quickly on the side, and he had that on when he kicked it, and uh, and it was it was truly I, as I as I just said, I think that's what won the Heisman Trophy for him, or cinched it, if you will, 
it, it got the final number of votes that he needed, but that's my intuitive call. That's not <laughs> anything that I can point to any evidence uh, that would that would sustain my claim. Well, Bill, you went on to become athletic director at the University of Houston, and we think we have the wild, wild west now. You were there during the demise of the Southwest Conference, weren't you? Oh, mercy. Yes, I was. <laughs> I got there just in time for that to happen. And uh, and literally, I got there in April, hired a football coach. I hired uh, Kim Helton, who was a former Gator, yeah. who came in and played center after I left the position when my time was up. Uh, Kim came in and was the center there for John Reeves and uh, t- turned out to be a great football coach. And uh, his son was uh, one of his sons uh, was the head coach at Southern Cal yeah, until Clay recently. Hill. Yeah, Clay, and now he's the new head coach at Georgia Southern. Uh, and uh, and so uh, and his other uh, son uh, is is the head coach at Western Kentucky. So he's but anyhow, Todd. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Kim Helton was with me at Houston, and the Southwest Conference was a was on its last legs when when I got there uh that that was rumored but it was uh imminent and and so we had to go through that transition and we created Conference USA and uh you know Houston was one of the charter members of that organization and Houston has been there throughout entire history except it just they're getting ready to move to the uh, American Athletic Conference uh, you know, excuse me, they moved to the American Athletic Conference, I, I correct myself, and now they're moving to the Big 12 in uh, in about two years. So that's a wonderful point of advancement for Houston. Uh, Bill, it's uh, Coach Jogan. Uh, you were uh, athletic director during one of the most momentous changes to college football that there has been in our lifetime, and that was the court ruling that uh, took away the NCAA's monopoly on television rights. Uh, and now we're seeing conferences now expanding to enormous numbers, uh, 14, 16 teams, and, and, and superpower conferences being formed. If you were an athletic director now, uh, what would be your best advice based on what you learned from the from the TV expansion of the of the early 80s to these super conferences that are being developed now? Well, the, the, the entire industry of intercollegiate athletics is undergoing a transformative decade. That's my terminology. That's the way I look at it. The 2020s, 2020 through 2029, I'm just projecting ahead. There has been so much change that's unprecedented in the intercollegiate athletics, the rate, the scale, the scope, the depth, the breadth of the entire the, the foundations like the NIL coming into existence and gambling coming into existence. Although gambling hasn't spread yet, it's going to, it's just a matter of time and, uh, and, uh, and structure to make that happen. But all of the things with regard to the entire underpinnings, the foundational values, the purpose of intercollegiate athletics, is it going to remain, uh, is it going to remain an amateur endeavor or is it going to be become a professional one with the college football playoff? Power Five schools leaving the NCAA and becoming their own self-contained entity for competition. That remains to be seen. There is so much in the works right now of of study and preparation and and projection. I just I hope and pray because I believe so strongly, given my background and my experience, 
personally, as a student athlete, I believe in the amateur experience. And uh, I think the crucible, the metaphor of a crucible, where, you know, you take a metal and you put it under intense heat and pressure and, and uh, all kinds of safeguards to make sure that everything is, is in order, but you, you create an entirely different product in the end. And that's what the student athlete experience is. You take an 18 to 22-year-old student uh, who is naive and ill-informed and uneducated, and you create, uh, in four-plus years, you create a young person who ha- has been tested and proven as capable in that crucible experience and is ready for service and leadership to American society. I think we definitely need to sustain our nation needs all of that kind of leadership that it can possibly gain. Bill, and I so, agree. I'm sorry. We're, we're up against the times crunch here. Very good. Um, very tell good. people yes, sir. very quickly what you're doing now. We've got about 30 seconds. Well, what I do now is I provide assistance to people who have declared themselves as aspiring candidates for senior leadership roles within intercollegiate athletics. And what I do is provide guidance to them so they can best prepare and present themselves as top candidates for those leadership positions as head coaches, uh, athletic directors, or commissioners. And so I use my 25 years as a search consultant plus my 25 years working on campus to help them be effective in that forum. And I'm eager to help anyone who has that capability. Athletics Career Spear is the name of my company, and you can see our website, Athletics Career Spear. Bill, thank you so much for your time. Um, Always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it so much. All right. That's Bill Carr, former Gators offensive lineman, a real accomplished man. And we go from one great offensive lineman for the Gators to another. On our line is uh, Dan Plonk. Dan, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Oh, thank thank you very much, uh, Ron and Joe. Appreciate it. Man, I tell you what, um, you know, I was looking up some stuff and uh, reminiscing with you. We had a chance to meet at Johnny Townsend's fundraiser. And, uh, you know, one of the things, we have a lot of kids that listen to the show, and we just had Bill Carr on who obviously studied when he wasn't playing football, and you did the same thing. You became a mechanical engineer. Talk a little bit about the challenges of playing football and budgeting your time because obviously mechanical engineering is not one of those basket weaving curriculums. Uh, you're you're right. Uh, you have to be pretty good in math and science, and uh, spend an awful lot of time studying, uh, you know, and doing class assignments. There, those are, those are not easy degrees, whether you're playing uh, sports or not. Uh, you know, I had to. I had to really commit myself, and I would stay up till one or so in the morning, and I would always try to schedule my classes a little later, uh, not starting at eight. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> Don't blame you. Maybe maybe nine, and uh, you know I'd study it probably until one or two o'clock in the morning, and uh, so I spent probably four or five hours a day at least doing uh, the engineering stuff. You know, starting with calculus and physics and then statics and dynamics and thermodynamics, and then getting into the core <laughs> mechanical stuff. My goodness. So, so football was, was almost uh, a time off for you then. <laughs> well, you're right. In a sense, if you're, if you're committed and all into it, they do 
in a way, give you a break from the other one. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's good to have some some good studying to, to do when you're playing football and vice versa when you're all wound up and studying and doing engineering or, or, or business or uh, nursing or medical or studying to go to law school. Uh, you know, football's a break in the other direction. Certainly. Well, you had a chance to play for two great coaches, Charlie Pell, obviously, and uh, Gerald Odom, one of the greatest high school football coaches to ever coach in the state of Florida. He was 191-57-2, and uh, you guys won state championships in 78-79 over there at Merritt Island. And uh, talk a little bit about Coach Odom and the influence he may have had on you. Well, I tell you what, uh, those guys, and there was a there was probably a dozen of them, uh, you know, from my Jefferson Junior High School all the way through Merritt Island. My dad was a military guy, so he was gone from the time I was six till when I was 16. He was gone over half the time. And if I can interrupt, so he, he is a great gentleman. I had the chance to meet him as well. What a gentleman. I, I apologize yeah, for interrupting. The, the, oh, that's, that's all right. Uh, I mean, he even though he was far away often, uh, he had a profound influence on my life, but those other men, and Coach Odom, Coach Hodgins, Coach Taylor, Coach Aiken, Coach Pribble, and some of my high school, junior high school, those were my dads, and they kept me highly disciplined <laughs> where I had to toe the line, uh, even though my dad wasn't there. It was great playing for Coach Odom, uh, we we won. You mentioned the state championship my senior year. I was the captain of that team, and we won the state championship there. We were four, 14 and 0. So uh, Coach Odom was outstanding. I love that guy. We're talking this evening with Dan Plonk, uh, from the former Gators player from the late 70s, 1979 through 83, a great offensive lineman. Uh, 682-1430, 682-1430, if you want to join in the conversation with us. Dan, Coach Joe here, you know, I was going to school in the at UF in the early 80s, and I remember uh, one of my good friends there, he was a mechanical engineer student from uh, Merritt Island as well, and he used to hear the horror stories about thermodynamics. <laughs> That's probably what kept me away from that that field. And, uh, and I was pretty good at math, but Cal, how'd you get by Calc three? I never that that was like running into a foreign language all of a sudden when I saw that. <laughs> well, I, I you're you're right. I got lucky. Uh, I being over there in Merritt Island, you're at the Space Center. Okay, that's where the Kennedy Space Center is. It's on Merritt Island. So the teachers over there were outstanding. My high school calculus teacher, Barbara Singer. She was an MIT grad. She had a degree in mechanical engineering and computer science. So having her, <laughs> uh, you know, making us toe the line and taking us through high-end math, you know, that's the kind of stuff that helped me do well when Calc 3 and Calc 4 came along. <laughs> uh, so. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, well, I guess the hangout for you was the Steak and Shake on 13th Street. We used to go to the Skeeters uh, a little farther down the road. Is <laughs> that it was that some place you ever frequented during uh, your rare t- spare time there? Actually, both of those. Yeah, uh, that's I remember. Right. <laughs> I think it was either Joe Wickline or Wally Huff took me to Skeeters <laughs> when I was a freshman. Uh, uh, and. I love that place. And Steak and Shake, I always used to go to Steak and Shake. As a matter of fact, 
about 15 years ago, I went there and there, the gal who was a waitress when I was playing football, she was still there. No the kidding. Oh, and man. <laughs> she was from Jamaica, so she had that accent. And she was just, she had been working there for uh, nearly 40, 30 something years. My gosh. And she, she retired. I, that, I was just lucky to see her again as she remembered me because I was there often. <laughs> you know, I used to eat there a lot myself when I was in school up there. Um, the Gators went. 0-10-1 in 1979, and actually were close against Houston, lost 14-10 to them out there, and uh, really had Florida State on the ropes, um, except that we had a really bad call in that game, but we won't go back to that. But anyway, <laughs> um, the next year, a guy named Mike Shanahan came in as offensive coordinator. Talk about you guys went 8-4 and four the next year, which was the biggest turnaround in the history of college football at the time. Talk a little bit about the influence that Mike Shanahan had on the Gators. Well, well, Coach Shanahan, he was really a, a young, good-looking guy, but he was staunch in, you know, following his, uh, you know, what it took to make his offense run. Uh, I mean, he was he was outstanding. He would rip your hiney if, <laughs> if you made some, but he would also give you that positive feedback. As, as well. Uh, I, and I remember he was such a young guy. Uh, you know, it was, it was really, you know, like, gosh, this, you know, the, the coaches tended to be just a little bit older than Mike. He was a young guy, but he sure did uh, help turn us around, especially on the offensive side, you know, going back to the O ten and one season, I don't, I think we scored less than 110 points in, in 11 games that year. Wow. So, so he was a, uh, an outstanding addition to the program there. Well, it didn't hurt sure that was. you had uh, Bob Huco healthy the next year and a kid from I, Lakeland absolutely. who's a good friend of mine, Wayne Peace, uh, ended up playing quite a bit. I, and uh, do you I, remember Wayne's first game against Ole Miss? I, I think Huco had gotten hurt, and uh, they were very careful with Wayne. I don't think he threw a lot that day, and I think we kicked like five field goals. and We, we – we sure did. Uh, Bob got hurt in the LSU game. Um, I guess Wayne had to finish it out, or uh, not, maybe, maybe it was somebody else. But then in the Mississippi game uh, over there in Oxford, and you're right, we drove down the field just fine, but we couldn't get down there and score a football. Brian Clark, <laughs> I think it was Brian Clark, yeah. he kicked five field goals, um, and we won that game uh, in Oxford. It was their homecoming. <laughs> I remember. Those were some some great years watching the Gators uh, grow into a team that would became a national power later. But was your your era is what first put the Gators on the map, so to speak. Uh, what's your favorite memory or your favorite game from that era? Oh gosh. Um, oh, I think uh, perhaps the Tangerine Bowl, my sophomore year, when we went eight and four. That was oh uh, yeah, uh, I was there. <laughs> And I, I uh, you know, I was still playing with Chris Collinsworth, who I actually played against in high school. He can't, he was from Titusville. I was from Merritt Island. Um, so that was a that was a great game there. Um, I had a I, I was I was able to win, uh, make offensive player of the game three times. Those those were really important to me. Um, and you know, just my dad's attendance. You know, it didn't make any difference where we were playing. 
uh, he he would show up. That's that's how into it he was uh, there. So th- those were all good good games there. That Tangerine Bowl. We uh, my junior year we beat LSU in Baton Rouge. I was actually playing offensive tackle that year. I had a really good game and we beat them. I think it was twenty four to twenty four to fourteen, maybe twenty four to ten. We we beat LSU in Baton Rouge. That was a really good game there. You beat Maryland in the uh, Tangerine Bowl, didn't you? Yeah, yes, it was uh, it was Maryland in the Tangerine Bowl. Yeah, I was at that game. It was an odd game. The temperature was only like fifty, but it felt like it was twenty. There was a wind blowing, as I remember that night, and I was freezing to death. Did you feel cold on the field? You know, I I don't uh, I don't remember feeling that uh, feeling that cold. The game was during the day, if I remember correctly. I was thinking it was at and, night, but I may be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I well. I can't remember. Either way, probably <laughs> maybe late in the afternoon. Yeah. Hey, I, I was curious, Dan. When did you get into flying planes? And do you do you still uh, do that? Yeah. Yes, I I sure do. Um, my dad was a military guy. He always bought me airplane books. And we lived in Okinawa for three years when Vietnam was going on. So there was a lot of military flights going on out of there. And I just always loved airplanes. And then of course we went to Merritt Island where. They're putting people up into space, and uh, I, it was it wasn't too long after I graduated from Georgia Tech. I got uh, all my licenses through the commercial license, and I've been flying since uh, since since then, and I still fly to this day. Wow! Was your last game the Gator Bowl game against Iowa? It our, my last game was the Blue Bonnet Bowl oh. in Houston, Texas, against Arkansas. against Arkansas. Oh, I got a funny yeah. story on that one. Back then, those games were not televised. And I had gone, a good friend of mine in Jacksonville had invited us up there, and we were watching a replay, I think, on television. And we we went out and listened to the radio, which was behind it, and we realized we had lost and, oh, man, did that take the wind out of our sails. Was Gary Anderson on that team from Arkansas? Uh, you, you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember. I think Lou Holtz was the coach, right? I think you're he right. He was, yeah. And I think Gary Anderson may have been a running back on that team. Uh, that would have yeah. been about the right time, I think. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah, he may have been. It's, I remember. Yeah, generally, I remember. I, Go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say, generally, generally I remember the defensive guys more than the <laughs> offensive guys. <laughs> Who was the toughest guy you had to play against? Um, oh gosh. Uh, uh, of course, Ron Simmons. Oh yeah, uh, he was at Florida State. He was a senior. I think he was a senior when I was a, a freshman. I actually did okay blocking him, but that guy, he was, he was a five hundred pound bench presser, and he was a rocket on his feet. <laughs> hey, do you remember the? And, oh, go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Oh. I, uh, the other guy, it was my junior year when I played offensive tackle. I was a little bit undersized for that. I mean, I did actually, at, I got offensive player of the game twice as an offensive tackle, but they had a really, I can't remember his name, but they had, he was an All-American defensive tackle. And that was, that was the only game out of all the games that I play where I could say the, that my opponent got the best. Was that Randy White? Um I, I don't think it was Randy White. Uh, I, I wish I could remember his name, but he, he was outstanding. He was an outstanding player at Auburn that year. 
Oh, at Auburn. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about the 82 Auburn game. Uh, I understand that left a lot of bitterness uh, a little bit on both sides. It carried over into the 83 game in, in Auburn. But the 82 game, uh, I remember the onside kick, the last second field goal by, uh, I think it was Jim Ganey. What? Yeah, you have uh, a lot of memories about that game? Yes, that was a frustrating game. You know, uh, I mean, we I think we lost to LSU uh, that year and, and Auburn. I mean, we started out pretty good, and then we had an unusual loss to Vanderbilt. And I, we went through some rough times. Well, yeah, I remember the losses to LSU and to Vanderbilt, and that was frustrating. But the Auburn game, I thought in 82 it, in Gainesville, I thought that was that the – the onside kick after being down by five points and kick, kicking a field goal and then getting the onside kick. I, uh, I think that was I, 82. I, th- I, I think it was. I think it was. The, the main thing I remember about that game is the fact that it was my last one on Florida field. Oh, man. If, wow. I, if I remember correctly. <laughs> that if if that was the last one, it was a very memorable one, and it was late in the season. And, yes. uh, and it was there was there a lot of chippiness in that game because uh, uh, there was a lot of complaints uh, about Auburn. They, yeah. they they came back with a chip on their shoulder the next year. Right. Well, I, yes, yes, there was, and uh, they had a couple of really good running backs, if I remember correctly. And uh, you know, our defense played well, but we just we just didn't make it all the way to the end there on that game. Mm-hmm. It was a massive disappointment. Now it was, uh, yeah. They had they had some great players of uh, young Bo Jackson and uh, Lionel James and guys like that. Gosh, Dan, it, we we could go on like this for hours. I, w- I wish we didn't have to stop. But uh, Eric only allots us so much airtime each week. <laughs> we're gonna have to. Sure. Sit. But we, gosh, we really appreciate you joining us here in the Ozone. And we hope you can come back and join us again as uh, once we get in the college football season. I'd be really interested in hearing your thoughts on the on the current yeah. Gators. Yeah. Sure, that would uh, that would be fine with me. I've volunteered to go. They have that Gator made thing under Coach Napier, and I'm going to be, uh, you know, it's to help the help kids develop beyond football. You know, look at career and and just good behavior and discipline and stuff like that outside of a playing field. And I'm gonna I'm gonna help them out with that as a volunteer. So I might have have something good to tell you on those lines uh, oh. next time around. Oh, definitely. We'll see you then, and and we'll talk and we'll talk some more then about that because that'll be a really exciting thing. And and we really appreciate you joining us tonight here in the Ozone. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks, and you're welcome back. And hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Th- thank you. <laughs> Any time would be fun. Thanks. It's Dan Plunk, former Great Gator offensive lineman in the early 80s during during my era, Ronnie. <laughs> and uh, what it's uh, it's somebody else's time tonight, somebody who's going to win $30 from the Lakeland Alehouse. So get ready, sports fans, get ready to, while we feed the hungry and thirsty, when Ronnie and I return here in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hello, this is Kenny Gant, former Kathleen Red Devil and Dallas Cowboy. You'll listen to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe hanging out in the Ozone this Thursday evening. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Turning scrap metal into cash. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. And as Coach Joe alluded to, we are feeding the hungry one person at a time. I know you're waiting. 
for that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430, 682-1430. Yesterday was Steve Spurrier's 77th birthday. Where was Steve Spurrier born? Was it A, Johnson City, Tennessee, B, Miami, Florida, or C, Knoxville, Tennessee? 682-1430. That's the number for you to call, and you could get that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. They're, of course, located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. They have over 40 strategically located television sets. You can watch your favorite sporting event anywhere in the restaurant and they have drinking meal specials every night of the week, so you can make that $30 go a long way. You know, it's interesting, this trivia question, because you asked it before. It's, yes. It was, uh, yeah, but it was years ago. <laughs> it hadn't changed. <laughs> no, it's uh, probably about 10 years ago. So I called in and I answered this correctly. Oh, you did? Yes. I Long before I was affiliated with the show. It was the oh, we got first time I ever called the show. Thirsty. Two people hungry and thirsty. All right, man. Well, I tell you what. Let them fight it out, and the winner gets to answer the question. Right? Yeah, there you go. In this corner, weighing 145 pounds. Two enter the octagon. Only one emerges from. That's right. <laughs> Eric gets to decide their fate. He's going to decide which one to send send through. So send your letters and your emails to Eric Clark. Care of yes. Talk <laughs> Radio 96. The Eric Clark Foundation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, he'll have to get his crack legal staff to defend him once he gets sued over this because that $30 gift certificate is much coveted. Jim, how are you tonight? Jim, you there? I am. You hungry and thirsty? Yeah, I am. I think that sounds good. All right. Where was Steve Spurrier born? I'm going to say Miami. You're exactly right. 1945, he was born in Miami. A lot of people think he was born in Johnson City, Tennessee, but that's where he went to high school, Science Hill High School. Science Hill. Yeah, yeah. Are you a Gator fan? I am. I am, yes, sir. And I was going to tell you that uh, Gary Anderson did play in that Blue Bonnet Bowl. Oh, yeah, I I tell you, that was such a letdown. You know, we were watching it on television. It's a replay, and we did really well in the first half, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be neat because back then, you know, we didn't think of winning SEC championships. That was for somebody else. And uh, national championships, man, that never even entered our minds. And then, you know, we go out in the car, and I guess when halftime came, we wanted to get statistics or something. I don't know why we did it. But then we, it was far, way ahead of the game on there, and we realized we lost, and we're like, oh, no. Man, it just took the wind out of our sails. We're having such a good time. It's a close game, though. Yeah. Gary Anderson turned out to be pretty good, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he, he did, and uh, I was at that Blue Bonnet Bowl, and that was a long ride home. Oh, man, was that in Houston? It was at the old Astrodome. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. You know, on that concrete surface. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's where we lost that first game in 1979. We played Houston out there, and we lost 14-10. to 10. And uh, people forget, you know, we we tied Georgia Tech, and that's when we lost Scott Brantley. And then right. in the last game, Florida State was undefeated. We had them in Gainesville, and there was a pass that Larry Ochab threw that had there been replay – it was ruled an interception by Alfonso Carricker. 
an FSU defensive lineman, and it clearly bounced on the turf, and they ended up giving them the ball, and I think we were driving. I think we lost like 27 to 16 or something like that, and at the time, I think it was 20 to 16, and uh, we had them on the ropes, and who knows, may have beaten them, but one good thing about it, the, the Gators never gave up that year. Yeah, I remember that play, and if I recall correctly, I think we actually played that game on a Friday. I think uh, you're right. I think you're right. It was one of those years. Yeah, you know, it was a kind of a weird deal where we played Friday afternoon instead of Saturday. Jim, unfortunately, we're out of time, but if you'll hang on the line, Eric will get your information, and um, we'll send that out to the alehouse tonight. You can go out there and eat and drink $30 worth on us, and thanks for listening. Yeah, great program. Enjoyed it. Oh, glad. This glad year's game's on a Friday, in. I think. Too. Yeah, that's right. They have, they've moved it to Friday this year once again. So you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone.